0: Progressive millennials for action. We got a passion. We still screaming black lives matter and ain't no stopping. See power to the people resisting all of the hatred. We sending a message from the millennial generation. We fight for the suffering and people without a voice. It's in our heart to do it. I promise it's not a choice. We talking politics and the culture is so amazing. So why you hesitating? Come and join the conversation for real. Progressive millennials for action. Progressive Millennials for Action. Yeah.
1: Welcome to episode two of Progressive Millennials Podcast. Today we are continuing our conversation on race and politics. And to open up the show today, we are asking a very important question Are hate crimes really on the rise? Or is it just more in your face now? That is the million-dollar question. So, Melvin, what do you think? Are hate crimes really on the rise? Or is it just more in your face now? I think it's a little bit of both, but
2: mostly statistical. I mean, you can't fight the numbers. The numbers say that the hate crimes have been going up last two years. And it also, the statistics um, in a Vice article we were reading said that it it's the first time in a 10-year recorded history that hate crimes have been going up two consecutive years. Right. Um, so, I mean, you can't really argue with that. So, the only ideal I have is prior to um, when the hate crime legislation was introduced, we didn't have data uh, for prior to that, so you know, like the early nineties, eighties,
1: and so <laughs> look old. the sixties. Yeah, I know that. That's what I am saying. Like, I don't know the fifties and sixties. Like, we could just say is the most. Of course, they wouldn't. They they're not going to take a record of of their crime. But I bet you hate crimes was oh my god. They didn't even think
2: about taking a record of hate crimes. Right? <laughs> exactly. It took to the
1: nineties for them
2: to even think about right. what a
1: hate crime might possibly be. So according to Vice. The nation as a whole has seen a 5% increase from 2015 to 2016. And there has also been an increase of hate crimes after the election. So, hmm. I mean, Things that make you go, hmm. I mean, to me, it's obvious. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's, like, it's a direct correlation. For anyone to say that is not a direct correlation. So, I mean, you've got to be... Very careful about how things are correlated. Because just because something's correlated doesn't mean that it's a cause and effect to each other. But this is different. Mm -hmm. We all know that you put Trump, his rhetoric equals rise of hate crimes and white supremacy in this country. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Honestly, I've, I've heard it a lot in my life, but not like this. Not when... He made it so commonplace.
1: Right, exactly. And that's
2: the issue. It's just like like, he
1: literally normalized hate. You know, normalized. It's Mm -hmm. like
2: if you don't hate, it's like you're authentic. So (laughs) you you know when he was talking about uh talking about the the Hispanic American judge Mm -hmm. that couldn't he didn't want on his case because he couldn't prosecute that case correctly because His parents from from uh, Mexican origin. Mm -hmm. So if you apply that logic and flip it upside down. So Trump automatically assumed that he has to think like that. He's like, you have to be prejudiced because I speak bad about prejudiced people and about Hispanic people and you're Hispanic. So you're automatically going to, you know, you know, be prejudiced towards me. However, so I I equate that that's what he does to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So he he says that the Hispanic judge does that. That's how that's what how he thinks. That's how what he does. Mm-hmm. So he by him saying that about the Hispanic judge that was that was the not the first, but that was the very stark indicator that he is prejudiced. The fact that he thinks that everyone has a prejudice in him. Shows that he is prejudiced, not right? Counting all the things in the past, exactly. About the, uh, the Central Park Five,
1: yeah. <laughs> and, and We go down a whole list, and uh, his attacks on uh, President Obama, and yeah, you know, not
2: bringing his uh, buildings out to black people, all, right? It's just a litany, exactly. I mean, and it's all directed,
1: exactly, and correlated towards the Donald. And and what's so crazy, vice in the vice article, it also states. That our country, uh, well, our country's five largest cities have seen an increase. So that's Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Houston. So it's just, it's just amazing to me that, you know, um, within the last, you know, few years that the the largest cities have seen a, seen an increase in hate crimes. Also, Washington, D.C., where the, where 45 now lives uh hate crime spiked to uh spiked had increased uh by 62%. So it, 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 it's amazing that now is it especially now it feels like Trump has given um racist <laughs> racist people and he's literally give them the keys, you know, to the he to, to the to he gave them permission to be hateful, basically.
2: Well, I mean, what do you expect? His whole saying is "Make America Great Again," and he never, and no one in his administration has ever answered what that means. Mm-hmm. What does "Make America Great Again" and isn't it, mean? It,
1: and it comes off of what again? I remember he told me about. Was it comes it, off. Of, uh, like,
2: Hitler said, "Yeah." Today? Germany great, great again.
1: again, exactly. I mean,
2: and I mean, that was a different context back in World War One. After World War One, uh, Germany lost mm-hmm. and they had to pay massive reparations mm-hmm. to the Allied powers, mm-hmm. which crippled Germany. So that's why Hitler made that, you know, the Jester made Germany great again because they got all their, you know, monetary funds stripped from them. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump. I don't think he's smart enough to really. I'm not trying I don't really think he's I think he think he made that. <laughs> I don't think he saw like oh well, they, well I th- <laughs>
1: think they were saying that one time it came from Reagan, right? Ronald Reagan. Yeah, he he yeah. made a little song. I don't
2: remember what it was. He, he made it. He he wishes he was Reagan, even though I can't stand Reagan either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you are if you're a person of color who was born in the '80s or who has lived through the '80s, you are not necessarily a Ronald Reagan fan. No. Uh, yeah, every time every time someone praises Ronald Reagan, it, it usually like literally like makes my skin crawl. It Like. <laughs> you know, knowing the, the, how it ha- how the Reagan administration period has, um, affected the of, community, of many communities of color, sp- particularly the black community. And so, um, you know, it, it's between, even between Reagan and even, and I have to put some accountability also on, the Clinton administration I put uh, for, a
2: whole lot of ability right? on that. Exactly, they made the prison industrial complex what it is today. Exactly, so I, exactly
1: I mean, mass incarceration. So, and but Bill knows mm-hmm. he doesn't run from it. He right. apologized for it. You know, he can apologize all, all day, day, but it, but when at the end of the day, it's, it it affects an entire community? You have children who don't have their their mothers and fathers with them because of. A, a, a little tiny crack vial. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, for me, it's just. Um, Made a whole people second class citizens. Exactly. You have
2: mm-hmm. a system where you have. You can't even just say black males because uh, black females is the fastest and uh, fastest incarceration group. Population. Uh, population mm-hmm. right now. Right. So. Black people as a whole, they're just making, little by little, returning to second class. So, it, I mean, once you get a felony, it's hard to get a... It's already hard to get a job while black. Exactly. But add a felony onto it and add on to the fact it's not actually that hard to get a felony,
1: first and foremost.
2: I mean... Me living in the area I lived in growing up, mm-hmm. a predominantly white area, mm-hmm. I was with white kids and that committed felonies all the time, but had never talked to a cop before. Right. Because, you know, it's just the law enforcement's just not in those communities.
1: Right. You
2: exactly. Know? So... But back to, is America, you know, back to, you know, the, the, hate, the hate crimes, crimes rising.
1: And I, and I think it's both uh, for me, when it comes to hate crimes, I think it's both as well. I think it's a combination of the fact that it's on the rise and that it's more on your face now. Like mm-hmm. the the media jumps on, you know, hate crime incidents quicker. Um, uh, people are their own. What is it called? C- citizen journalism, mm-hmm. where you're literally you have your camera phones and uh, you record uh, an incident happening. Like today, here in Seattle, <laughs> uh, uh, here in Seattle, there was a, a, a incident of a Nazi um, riding the subway in the, and the and on the bus and and harassing. African-American passengers on the bus and train uh, in Seattle. And he had a Nazi swastika uh, patch, uh, I guess you or armband around his arm. And he threw, according to the, one of the articles, it, he threw a banana at an African-American male.
3: Mm.
2: <sighs> That's cool. And he didn't even get beat up on the bus. So that person showed <laughs> some restraint
1: exactly <laughs> they show
2: their and,
1: and, and 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 we all know you know most of us know what the banana what the ma- banana represents and so that is like uh, one of the biggest you know uh insults that you other than the n-word that you can mm-hmm. say to to uh to someone that's of african descent and so um and, and I know you, we were talking about it earlier you said it's, they, they implemented Twitter what happened?
2: so basically what happened is yeah. while he was on a bus harassing the, like a bunch of um, African Americans somebody got him on Twitter doing this mm-hmm. so they used Twitter to track this guy down so I don't know how they did it he probably was like he's on bus 101 going northbound Yada yada yada. He got off at this stop. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they found him, but someone tracked him down on the Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Confronted him. They had like maybe a like a, a thirty second little exchange.
1: Probably not even that much from the video. It, the
2: uh, vicious haymaker. I was like,
1: "Whoo!" <laughs> haymaker like, means punch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a vicious punch, not just a regular punch. This is a
1: wop. Yeah. So someone uh, they they tracked him down and then. He was he was saying he was actually saying something racist there, talking about you all on welfare. He he (laughs) was
2: so little saying this to someone so much bigger than him.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I'm sorry. They it's for me. I just find it really extremely ironic that now a lot of a lot of them feel like they're empowered to. Um, say what, whatever they're gonna say without any consequences. And don't get me wrong, I don't advocate for violence at all. But you can only push people so far. You know, people are not gonna. Take you throwing a banana at them. People are not going to take you um, throwing racial slurs at them or using stereotypes. Because from the video, all I heard was the last word I heard was something sent him saying that you're on welfare or something. And then all of a heard all of a sudden, I just heard a smack from from the punch. You know, and and to me, it just it's just a, a reminder that this is not the '60s. You know, this is not the '50s. You just can't, you you just cannot go and, and sell your racist rhetoric to, to just anybody and think that they're going to let it fly, you know, at the oh, end of yeah. the day.
2: I mean, at the end of the day, this is the way I see it. People, African Americans, we've been going through so much since forever. Since we stepped on the shores of this since, country. Yeah, since the, since the beginning of our history in this country. Mm hmm. We face so much that mm-hmm. we get tired of always having to show restraint, right? We're the we. I think out of every population, some people will argue, you know, when it comes to black on black crime. But other than the black on black crime,
1: oh, so I don't. I, I, for, for me, when it comes, I don't. I don't play that black on black crime uh, well, rhetoric either. because they never talk about white on white crime. Because at the end of the day why don't white crime white people kill more, just as many or, or commit a crime towards just as many white people and they're, they're it's more you just, more you than, just commit crimes by, by who, who you who live who you yeah who you live by there's all this world is. a lot of this world most of this world is segregated you go exactly. into a lot of these neighborhoods who's living around each other of course black people are living around black people um White people. white people are living around white people. Exactly, it's a segregated country. You know, we live in in, in cities and in towns and, and 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 areas where where it's just segregated. Yeah, I
2: never, you know, you know, I know some people from back on the block that you know, you know, engage in certain things, and the thing about it, they never killed anyone or got into violence with anyone because they're black. Mm-hmm. It was always. It had nothing ever to do because someone's black. I, I, that's why I never understood the term "black on black crime" because you're. It, it sounds like you're equating that they're committing this violence on each other because they are black. Mm, right. So that because that's never mm-hmm. ever really the instance. Right. Like I'm going to kill you because you're black. That. Is any other reason besides that really?
1: And, and, and for anybody to use that argument, I think it's just a, a form of deflection. Oh, You're trying to deflect from the responsibility that people, uh, that those who come from a more privileged, uh, background, uh don who don't want to take responsibility for the fact of uh how they benefit from the oppression of people from people of color they try to deflect by using things like what about black uh black on black crime um and so it, i i usually see it for what it is is usually a deflection it's not wanting to uh take responsibility for uh their their part in uh in assist in this system
2: exactly definitely agree and part of the rise of hate crime, I also think it's a backlash mm-hmm. to not only President Obama, but the progressive mu- movement as a whole. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a, right. a complete backlash. Um, so people mix with there are, you know, white people in this country that are afraid that they're not going to be the, major- the biggest majority race. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, a right. multiple and... Um, the white birth rate is going down. Right. Not just mm-hmm. in America, but across Europe as well. Mm-hmm. And th- I, so it's, you know, it's creating that perfect storm. That then-
1: tension. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, it makes someone feel as if especially if you've been in a uh, a position of power for so long it, it makes you feel like you're losing your place in this world and you and you don't know anything you don't know anything else other than being in a position of power and privilege and the 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 concept of whiteness being on a pedestal period so um i just i just <laughs> it's just amazing that we are living in times that literally i'm mimicking my grandparents generation the things that they that they they endured period my grandmother was from mississippi and left uh both of my grandmothers actually but mine too yeah exactly and left mississippi to move to chicago you know for for a better life um and 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 to get away from things like jim crow you know um and so it's, it's just amazing that this is following us and we're millennials <laughs> experiencing things that what the silent generation went through. But we,
2: for me, for any of us to be surprised to me, if you are surprised, you don't know history mm-hmm. to be surprised that this is happening. Mm-hmm. We don't know history. You can't right. be surprised by this. Right. We never reconciled the things that we've done in the past. I mean, given uh, African Americans mm-hmm. the right to vote mm-hmm. and, some people are going to argue affirmative action, but I don't even
1: argue affirmative action because halftime we so, don't benefit from it. So.
2: Exactly, exactly. So let's just go with the right to vote, even though they
1: won't. People won't won't literally admit to that, but a lot of people of color don't. The people, the people who benefit from it the most are white women. Benefit from affirmative action. If if you don't believe me, look it up.
2: Exactly. So that's why I don't really go with affirmative action. Affirmative action wasn't even supposed to lift all. It was it was created to help African Americans out, but it wasn't created to, li- to help us all out. Mm-hmm. It was like um, W.E. Du Bois, the talented 10th. Mm-hmm. It was the idea off of that. It mm-hmm. was to uplift some of us so we could uplift the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. that that's like the whole idea of the Talented Tenth by right. W. E. D. Boyce.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's why I don't really count affirmative action. So going back to, you know, the right to vote and desegregating society, those are the two pillars that the United States thought that will fix racism <laughs> so i mean giving us the right to vote for people that don't like us mm-hmm. is not really giving us too many rights exactly one. Mm-hmm. two i mean yeah you desegregated everything but you resegregated stuff by making everything attached to wealth right exactly. so i mean mm-hmm. our school systems are still segregated it's actually more segregated than mm-hmm. ever Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's more segregated back to than Jim Crow, but mm-hmm. it's more segregated than it's been in a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, because everything's done by property taxes.
1: Right. Exactly. And exactly. It, and
2: and black kids are the kids that are getting the very, very short end of the stick. Exactly. When it comes to the system.
1: Exactly.
2: Because we don't have that generational wealth.
1: Right. Exactly. But,
2: you know, back to hate crimes, you know, you, we just you just can't be surprised, especially when you have a president like we have that can't even when charlotteville happened can't even say have to say all sides are at fault like how do you equate the people fighting nazis with the nazis
1: my (laughs) thing is this it was literally like clergy and just people who are out there who was peaceful literally peaceful um who they 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 were still targeting. They were targeting literally clergy and 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 people who were peaceful marchers, Black Lives Matter le- uh, leaders, and you exactly. know.
2: Thank God Antifa was there because if they weren't there, it could have been more casualties. Because mm-hmm. peaceful protest, exactly. you know, I've been in different types of protests. Yeah. Some of the protests I've been to, if anything, really got it. Like we had to fight against. Mm-hmm. And we've been uh, other, through plenty of protests. Yeah, <laughs> if we, but if we had to fight against like I, I, like how Charlottesville's happened, mm-hmm. most of the protests, I wouldn't want to fight with them because we gonna lose. <laughs> but Antifa, I mean, that's what they're there for. Mm-hmm. You know, But they knew something was going down. The day before, they they had the classic Ku Klux Klan type rallies mm-hmm. with the T.E. torches walking right. around. If that's not smelling that we're gonna do some violence the next day, I don't know what would tell you that, and then you got a president that saying that there's good people at on the side
1: both of, sides like the, <laughs> how the hell you know how the hell you gonna literally say that both people, you know what I mean, it's it's both sides. there was one side that was literally like, one trying to murder people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, they were beating uh, one, one young man, a 22 year- old black man who they were you know beat, they beat him up brutally, you know? Oh, I yeah. mean it was so brutal to to see the pictures and to see the the I think it was a video uh, of them doing this, you know yeah, They
2: brought their shields and their little bamboo sticks
1: right, exactly. to the
2: protest. You only do to that fight, to fight. That's it. And boy, it. they got, because they were all strapped too. Yeah, they all had guns. And,
1: were, and then, then, boy, and, and, and uh, at the towards the end of it all, someone was killed. Heather Heyer was killed. You know, um, and, and and multiple people injured
3: exactly. from
1: someone who was filled with hate. So you sit up here and tell me that a a a rally that. Was basically a a white supremacist uh, rally, which was fueled by hate and 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 violence. And you equate that to the people who were like clergy (laughs) and and community activists who were just saying that, "Hey, we are here, and you will not intimidate us." And just like you're protesting, we have the right to protest as well. And so you're so for our. Uh, for for forty five, to to sit here and say that that he 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 can't for him to not even be able to articulate and denounce white supremacy just lets me know that he is a sympathizer. I don't oh, care how that's you, how he got in the White House. Yeah, so he's for, a sympathizer. Me, for you, for any of us to expect. I
2: mean, I I ain't gonna lie. I kind of did expect for him to get a way better at even though I already knew that he was. I'm not gonna necessarily say he's a white supremacist. I don't know how he feels, but I know he's a sympathizer. That I do. Know.
1: Well, I'm gonna say it. he. <laughs> I feel he's a white supremacist. Well, whatever at the, he the is, day, he's anti. Me, he's he's anti. anti For him, the way that he talks about black people as if we're the blacks, as if we're as as if we're little pets that he keeps around, you know, or blacks love the 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 blacks love me. Who says that? Right. That's like like so. That's like the way we call our dog. You know what I mean? It's like our dog. (laughs) You know, our dog loves. That's like George Wallace. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. First of all, I don't trust anybody who just calls me the black or the or 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 call you know Obama you know, say the whites right? exactly <laughs> I don't I all the back my, my spidey sense has come up like uh this is I don't want to deal with this person the blacks. so uh, so uh, so and so I just say all that to say is just like this. This guy is just like unreal. Like even today what we've just seen today with the, the whole uh his address to the UN just lets everybody know that he is not ready. Which we already knew this. We we tried to tell White America, you know, White America. Period. That oh, he embarrasses he, us. Today. Yeah, he embarrass, us severely. You know, I was just like, what? Is he this? makes us look like uh, he is literally making us look like the laughing stock daily of, of of the world. You know, like,
2: they're, they're, all these world leaders are like, what people would put this man in office?
1: Right, exactly. And I ask
2: this every day, like, what type of people are? Because I mean. You could you could judge
1: a society decently well by the leaders, by the lead, by the leader that they they choose. So like we have so so basically, people literally chose their whiteness. They chose their uh, heteropatriarchy. They chose their um, they they chose they basically chose their 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 money and protecting their their riches over others in the in the in this country you know it was a selfish it was literally a selfish pick that's why i feel it was just plain because as much as i find hillary problematic on so many levels at the end of the day i we all know she would have been a way better leader than this guy here you know what i mean would have been a, she, she wouldn't
2: she wouldn't I, I don't know i just know this i know she wouldn't embarrass us exactly. i would say that. so so we she knows the say, right thing to say and when to say but it. so i
1: would definitely say that she would have been a better leader yeah. you know yeah. if if you had to pick between the two she definitely
2: would know it would never equate exactly you know uh people that fight Neo Nazis, <laughs> Nazis.
1: Exactly. She would have denounced it from jump. Like it
2: would. That, that was a that was a political slam dunk for him. Yes. And, 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 he, and, yes. He, and he choked on the dunk.
1: Choke, <laughs> choke, just just choked. <laughs> like, on a dunk. It was just like, come on, dude. It was like every
2: like you would had a he had a fast break dunk. It, right. He choked. Exactly. So like, I had to try
1: five times and still choked. <laughs> so it's just it's just amazing to me that. Um, we're just living in a in a world that again mimics the silent generations, uh, uh, world back in you know back in the fifties and the sixties you know, and so um our grandparents' generation you know it just it's it's sad and and you know,
2: well they're still alive.
1: I'm just gonna throw that out there. Who the silent that,
2: generation? Yeah, that generation. Oh, yeah, is but, still yeah, but well my grandparents are alive. No, I'm not saying, saying you, I'm not, that, you know I'm not really talking about like just. Like us, Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that generation still alive, right? Nothing got reconciled so those views that those people they pass
1: it down to their kids, they pass it down to those kids. And then, and we can't sit up here and say, uh, millennials are any less racist because the person that killed Heather Heyer was, I think, 22 years old,
2: exactly. You know, so that's a millennial, that hate got passed out to
1: exactly, exactly. Generational, uh, passing the torture of hate, literally, you know, yeah, it's just it's. It's sickening. It's just so, so sickening. But to wrap everything up uh, and go into our next segment, this will be part two of our uh, conversation with Edwin Lindo, the University of of Washington uh, School of Law lecturer. He lectures on race, the law, and politics, and he will continue this conversation that we that we're having now, and we're going to get into deeper conversation. So this is our part two of our conversation on race and politics.
4: It's a lot. I know we went all over the place, but I, I want us to, to have a good understanding of how we need to engage in this conversation, and not let it be a Tacit, mm-hmm. complicit, or as uh, Brother Cornel West said, mm-hmm. a uh, deodorant, a deodorized. Mm-hmm. Yes. You take your deodorant and you cover up the smell,
3: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And say, oh no, it's
4: not really an issue. Right. No, we just we need to start smelling that BO mm-hmm. and saying, this is terrible. Right. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know it's hard for some folks because they don't have the liberty to. Think about it. They have their nine-to-five. They have to take care of the work, the exactly. family, uh, whatever the responsibilities are. <laughs> they're just trying to stay sane. I mean, that in and of yeah. itself
3: is a, is a struggle. Yeah.
4: And so how do we, folks who have the ability to maybe stretch the imagination, bit push a little bit,
3: or beyond the front lines,
4: be in community mm-hmm. and have these conversations so that folks, uh, for me, the, the power comes when folks realize mm-hmm. that they have power.
3: Yes, exactly.
4: Because they've always had it. Mm-hmm. But this, this system in society has made them believe that mm-hmm. their voice doesn't have power, that they, they have no reason to go protest or exercise that power. Exactly. But when I see it in someone's eyes mm-hmm. and they say, I can do that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? Yeah, making minimum wage for 15 years isn't just.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm going
4: to go demand more. Right. Or they get in collaboration with a, coalition or a group and says we're going to demand that the Seattle Police Department be accountable for what they did to Charlene Alive. Yes. I don't know her. I've never met her, mm-hmm. but I love her. Mm-hmm. And she is my sister and I'm going to take care of it. And we see that happening.
1: Those police officers literally murdered her unborn child. The child she was carrying in her womb. You know, I, I think they should be charged with double murder.
4: That's all, absolutely. 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 Yeah. And
1: I, I, I went with my wife to uh,
4: the sheriff
3: King County he's right.
4: mm-hmm. and politicians are, are the best at getting reelected because mm-hmm. they know what to say
3: mm-hmm.
4: and he's having this town hall and they're having conversations about how they're making changes and quote unquote de-escalation practices mm-hmm. and Charlie and Alas have just been killed
3: mm-hmm.
4: and they, they allowed the public to get up and speak and me and my wife, my wife asked the question and said at what point will the police get into the streets with Black Lives Matter protesters mm-hmm. and demand that the police stop killing black folks? Exactly. And, and these were uh, black sheriffs that were in the department. And one of the sheriffs had the gall and the audacity to name off all the people that had been shot and killed by police. And said, you know, I know them. Oh, they're here. And I pray for them. And it hurts my heart when I see that happen. And the other officers and sheriff didn't even respond, because the fact of the matter is, is that they are more concerned with keeping their job exactly. than they are with justice. Again, mm-hmm. Dr. King was so wrong; they are so right. Folks are more inclined to keep order than they are inclined to get justice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I asked the sheriff, I said, "Look, I, I have an issue here. I'm trying to figure out what your purpose is, and I don't mean just you. I'm talking about law enforcement." Mm-hmm. Again, now we're having a conversation about something that a lot of people think are, is set in stone, mm-hmm. but I'm an abolitionist. What that means is, right. I want to get rid of the way that policing is taking place in our country. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we have no way of public safety. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, can we reimagine what that looks like
3: mm-hmm. and not
4: include the people that are involved with it now? Mm-hmm. Right? And when people say that, oh, Edwin, you lost me. You're crazy. You, you haven't thought this through. What about all the crime that's taking place? What about all the crime that's going to happen if there's no police? And my response and my question to the sheriff was, Sheriff, what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Is it to protect and serve? And he responds, yes. And I said, okay, so let's break that down. If your goal is to protect, mm-hmm. that means that you protect me mm-hmm. and the other citizens in this county mm-hmm. against crime. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Then why the heck is crime going up? Mm-hmm. Why is recidivism at seventy yes. percent? If your yes. job is to prevent crime, why is crime going up? Mm-hmm. And and most times cops response are, Well, we need more cops. No. You have the biggest budget of anything exactly. we see nationally and locally.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Oh yeah, they get military weapons. Yeah. yeah. Some, they get they get a tank and AK forty sevens and drones, you name it, almost for free. And so I said, because uh, I've never felt protected. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, I'm more protected in my community than I am when I see blue and red lights. Yep. I sh- I shiver yeah. when I see okay, the police here. coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And and their response, you know, not theirs, but responses usually are, well, we need to better the community police relationship. No, it's not about a community police relationship. Mm-hmm. That's called marketing. Right. A community police mm-hmm. way is marketing. That's right. PR. What we need to get better with is you need to stop killing people. Stop terrorizing people. Mm-hmm. Stop harassing them. Stop putting them in jail for smoking weed.
1: Just in the way that some officers interact with the public, some talk to you, you know, any old kind of way like you aren't human. It, it's dehumanizing. They, you know, they just come off rude, just just straight off rude. Right, right.
4: From the gate. And so I, I said, look, if you're not preventing crime, then you're failing in that. And if you're supposed to serve, that means you're serving us. And I said, I'll be honest, you don't stop anything from happening. If someone robs my house, I have to call you up. You come after the robbery took place and then you take notes and then you start investigating it. So what really are you doing? Because I don't see it. And his response was, uh, I don't, I don't have a response for you.
2: And then. To add on that, what we also have to remember when it comes to policing in America mm-hmm. that we have other examples in different countries yeah. of how people don't, or how cops don't kill people, right? Mm-hmm. Like Britain, our greatest right. ally, their cops don't carry don't carry
3: guns. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, they have guns, but they don't carry them, right? So it's for
4: emergency necessities. They'll usually if it's a violent situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. We have more killings by police in this country. Uh, by a factor of I think ten or twenty, mm-hmm. like, that's a lot. That's a lot. Britain is is number two, and they had I think nine uh, last year. Yeah, they. I think
2: the United States have more cop killings total than the entire continent of Europe.
3: Wow.
2: So, so it's that's the crazy thing to me. I
3: was like, how are we having all these?
2: Relations? But in all actuality, you really think about it, we have this big culture of guns. These yes. other countries don't have this I mean, big worship. country.
4: Right. You know. But even that, but that's, that's, it. that's, it's a red herring in many ways. Mm-hmm. Why? Because how many times have police encountered someone with a gun?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Right. Most of the time,
2: probably not. Probably to My point exactly
4: mm-hmm. is that you walk down the street in downtown Seattle. Mm-hmm. I want to see the record. How many times have you got someone and they had a gun? Mm-hmm. Or that you knew they had a gun? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're coming out with guns just flaring. Mm-hmm. Did you know they had a gun? How'd you know? Or were you just scared that they were black? Right. Right? Because that's what... They're going to use every opportunity to defend Mm -hmm. their threatening, their threatness, or or their their feeling of threatening of blackness. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Right? Oh, the person's a gun. The person's an animal. The person's a predator. The person was so big. He was so strong. He was running at me. I was scared for my life.
1: It's like going back to the Mike Brown case and how they dehumanize him. I mean, calling him... saying he had this look in his eye. It is the constant dehumanization of black and brown people. Mike brown and the cop
2: were, I think my brown might have been a little taller, but like weight-wise, yeah. about the same size. I right. mean, the, the cop was not a small guy.
4: Well, and let's, let's put it in perspective. You you were in the military, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you served overseas. Yeah, okay. I
2: served in Iraq too.
4: Okay. So you, you understand the rules of engagement. Yes, right. we don't. I was
2: talking to the wife mm-hmm. about that. And we, in the United States, these cops, like the things these the cops things do, these cops do, well, I, I would get court-martialed for it actually, if I was in Iraq. You can I, go to jail. Yeah, go to yeah. jail or there'd be some type of consequence. See, this is the thing. there's no consequences for them. Mm-hmm. There's no accountability. There's more accountability for us at war fighting against an enemy that we halfway don't even know. Who they are half the time versus like the cops have no accountability. Mm-hmm. It's just and then some people will go and say they have accountability, but I'm like, how many people have been um, indicted or not even indicted? How many people? How many cops were charged? Were charged. Yeah. I mean, in
4: 2015, the, there was only one officer that was uh, charged and then found guilty of murder. There was 1,190 cases of police killing. There has to be just scientifically and data, mm-hmm. like statistically, there has to be more than one,
3: mm-hmm. right?
4: There has to, there has to be more than one of out of a thousand one hundred ninety, there has to be more than one, and it's slightly it's getting better slightly, mm-hmm. right? As time goes on, because there's more exposure, social media, and people taking videos of it. Right. But think about mm-hmm. that: you have more accountability when you're in Iraq mm-hmm. fighting against. Perceive enemy than these cops do mm-hmm. in this territory of being among civilians. Right. Right. That's scary. It is scary. That is scary. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, putting the, the, the black experience in context, mm-hmm. if we talk about um, folks that come to this country as refugees, mm-hmm. as political refugees or uh, folks that are being attacked because of their beliefs or their religion or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, political persecution. Mm-hmm. By definition, black folks in the United States could go to another country seeking refuge under the UN definition of a political persecution. Think about it like that. But That's how bad it is in this country, yeah. mm-hmm. is that folks are getting terrorized. And people say, well, it's not all black people, right? It's only a few here, a few there. And what I think people don't understand is that when it happens to one, it becomes a psychological trauma Mm -hmm. to the entire community. Right? You don't have to know Charlena Mm Lyles, But I fear for my wife was a black woman who was pregnant Mm -hmm. with our child. Mm -hmm. And if she called the police because someone supposedly, someone robbed her house and then my wife was cooking and had a knife like Charlena did, Mm -hmm. then they kill her. Right. It's it's that it's it's that Mm -hmm. quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we have a lot to battle. Right. We have a lot to look at. We have a lot to combat. Um, And then on another part of
2: this, that while we're just on the subject. Yeah. Is when I think about it, I think about the role of being an oppressor. Mm That has to. That takes a toll. I mean, yeah. you, we have. I'm a Marine Corps vet. I played the role of an oppressor before. Yeah. So we have every 20 minutes a veteran commits suicide, and I think wow. the oppressor has something to do with it. That's not true. sure. I'm not a scientist. No, no you're, the but, scientists
4: has already proven that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so Paulo Freire, who's a philosopher from Brazil, mm-hmm. wrote a book called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. and I highly, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I highly recommend it to everyone listening. Highly recommend to you all. Uh, an amazing organizer and, and uh, he used education form. he's someone who inspires me. He used education uh, as a form of enlightenment, as a form of conscience raising. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he said was, there's two parties to this oppression,
3: mm-hmm.
4: right? It's the oppressed and the, it's the oppressor. Mm-hmm. The burden, however, of becoming free, of liberation, falls on the oppressed right we can't mm-hmm. keep asking the oppressed that's the same thing as negotiating mm-hmm. We can't ask the oppressor mm-hmm. to set you free mm-hmm. they're the ones who are oppressing you
0: exactly
4: right there's no incentive there's no reason for them mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. but that means that you not only have the the burden of being oppressed you then mm-hmm. have the burden of liberating yourself
3: mm-hmm.
4: but in the process of liberation of fighting against that oppression mm-hmm. What he says is that you're actually liberating the oppressor as well.
3: Exactly.
4: Right. Right? Because once you're no longer oppressed, Mm -hmm. that person is not oppressing anyone Mm -hmm. or people. They are now free of that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is is that they have psychologically been in that role for so long Mm -hmm. that if you look at this country as as an old grandpa, mm-hmm. what <laughs> happens? They get set in their way. Yeah. They, they get, get worse and they, worse. They get worse and worse and grumpy and angry. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't give it a pass. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if grandpa's a racist, you don't say, don't worry, that's my grandpa, he's a racist.
3: That's what he said.
4: No, you say, grandpa, stop being a racist. Mm-hmm. We say, grandpa, we're going to talk to you about racism
3: mm-hmm.
4: because that what you did back then wasn't right and it's not right today. I think, and the studies have shown, I think millennials have more compassion. Mm-hmm right they 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 look at the world a different way right. they want to to have a purpose, they want right. to connect with other human beings right. um as far as being less racist, like I said before, racism is perpetual right right mm-hmm. it doesn't end because a generation of people decided to to stop being racist. Mm-hmm. It ends when the system right. has stopped being racist. Mm-hmm. And if you have good people going into a bad system, the system, the people don't change the system. That system will continue to perpetuate itself unless everyone who has a role in that has said, you know what, this system is pretty bad. We're going to have to change the way it operates. And let's change the institutional racism that exists here and, and completely cut it. Right. It's it's hard to say, like when I hear like white folks say, look, look I'm not racist. Yeah, that's cool. I I agree with you. I I roll with you. I will organize with you. But you are also the beneficiary yes. of a system of racism, and the ones who I love and white folks that I I mean I I will die for are folks that I hear that say, "Look, Edwin, I completely understand my privilege. I am in my position for many reasons, including my privilege, and I probably." have contributed in some form or another mm-hmm. to this system. But I'm also still a white person mm-hmm. in this, this racial, this racial racist system mm-hmm. of the United States. Mm-hmm. And I want to find a way to deconstruct that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I want to deconstruct the racism that I perpetuate and that I'm a part of. It. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that white folks somehow are going to lose their jobs or they won't be in positions of power. Or they won't get this. What we're talking about is how do we have a level of humanization where black and brown folks have self-determination, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Why is it uh, in Flint, Michigan, that's a predominantly black community? Mm-hmm. The elected, mm-hmm. How does it, I mean, 80% black, but mm-hmm. predominantly white mm-hmm. governing board. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to look at ways that we bring humanizing efforts to these communities. Um, and so, to the question, I think, I think, yeah, folks can be less racist. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm also not trying personally. There's people who say, if we change the individual, Edwin, uh-huh. we're going to change the world.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
4: say, sure, absolutely. Okay. But we've been 300 years in this game. Right. Were they not trying to change that? Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, supposedly that's what the church is trying to do. <laughs> supposedly mm-hmm. that's what. Uh, good people were trying to do mm-hmm. there were people who were uh abolitionists of slavery white folks that were good white mm-hmm. folks but we're still in a position where we just had our first black president mm-hmm. uh, we still have more uh, 50 percent of young black men are graduating from high
3: school mm-hmm.
4: right unemployment is through the roof so mm-hmm. i think i think we have to really uh, have a multi-pronged approach but yeah we work on individuals mm-hmm. we, we give grace to them and say look we love you. i love you mm-hmm. i love mm-hmm. the fact that you're wrestling with these things right. you should and mm-hmm. i will because i'm not perfect either right. because there is a difference and let's make it clear for those who are listening because mm-hmm. this is something that they wrestle with mm-hmm. when people say oh white or people of color can't be racist mm-hmm. and white folks are like Oh, I've seen black people be racist towards me. I've seen it. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a level of semantics and syntax and context. But in the theory of racism, when you do the study of racism, folks of color can't be racist. Right. Right. And we'll, we'll break it down, right? In the theory of racism, right? And some people don't have the theory, right? We have the liberty of studying this and understand that privilege. But in the, in the theory of it, Folks of color can't be racist towards white folks mm-hmm. In the United States, right, we have to be very clear on, on what the subject and the context is. Mm-hmm. Because the United States created a, a race-based structure. Mm-hmm. right? They created it. Mm-hmm. When people say, oh, why are you using the race card? I'm like, what are you talking about? You created it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You made the race day.
3: Exactly. <laughs> I'm
4: just using the card I'm, that you dealt. Right, why are you using identity politics? I'm not, you, you created blackness. You created brownness. You created mm-hmm. yellow. You created all of these colors. I didn't ask to be brown. Exactly. You put it on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're owning it because it's the only thing we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, fine, we'll take it and we'll run with it. But I hope one day we don't have to identify as you black and me brown mm-hmm. and that person yellow and that person red. Why can't we identify ourselves as, as a, in an effort of humanizing mm-hmm. where we say, oh, you're Lakota. Oh, you're Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. you're you're from the south. What part of the south, mm-hmm. or or whatever it may be? Why does it have? Why, why is the first thing? Boom, you're black. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's funny because white folks say the conservative white folks say this too. Why? Why do we identify? Why are we even talking about blackness? Why do we talk about it? And it's it's their you know mm-hmm. red herring and their attempt to, to say they're Definitely not racist, right. but <laughs> they actually wanted to perpetuate.
3: Mm-hmm. They
4: wanted to perpetuate. But um, I want to break it down a little bit because if you leave that hanging, mm-hmm. that black and brown folks can't be racist. Yeah, I'll do it. Then people are like, I don't how? How is that possible? That don't make sense. If people think the definition of racism is you hating or hurting another person based on the color of their skin. Without the power added. Right. right. See what I just defined is the definition of discrimination.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I can discriminate against anyone. Absolutely. I could not like someone. That's called discrimination. I can say, I don't want to be in the same room with white people. I don't want to do this with white people. I am discriminating based on the color of my skin. But do I have the power to affect the entire people of white folks? Absolutely not. Right. So racism is the effect of exclusion, oppression, relegation, dehumanization of a group of people by another who believes or uh, impulsively, Mm -hmm. uh, objectively, subjectively, knowingly or unknowingly, contributes to the belief that a race is superior to another Mm -hmm. through the system of power that exists, right? If there's a power structure that will allow you to operate that racism, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: it's racism, Mm -hmm. right? I can go and, let's see, I can go and put a... I don't know, it's a terrible example, but let's say I put a a cross on a white person's lawn and burn it like they used to do in the South mm-hmm. and say, I hate white people. Okay, that white person still has... Over- that white person doesn't have an issue of going to college. Mm-hmm. That person doesn't have an issue of their children getting a good education, exactly. right? It's it, it has no effect except... For the discrimination that I could physically hurt them, which I completely understand, right? That is real. The fear Mm -hmm. of physical harm, absolutely. But on a systemic level, that person Mm -hmm. has no issue. Mm -hmm. There won't be any complications with their life as a result of me doing that to them. Right? There's not enough politicians, enough managing partners at law firms, um, enough CEOs, enough you name it, Mm -hmm. of positions of power of people of color
3: Mm -hmm.
4: to affect... Someone's livelihood based mm-hmm. on race.
3: Right. Exactly. There's
4: not enough black people out there yeah. that are CEOs to say, you know what, don't hire white folks. Mm-hmm. That would have a real effect. Mm-hmm. That would have a, because at some point there, there's a possibility. And so let me just say there is a possibility mm-hmm. at some point that black and brown folks could be racist
3: mm-hmm.
4: if the systems of power. Or somehow to flip. But I'm gonna say this. I don't want the systems the power to flip. I don't wanna be in a position where I'm a racist. Exactly. I don't want to be exactly. in a position where I'm oppressing someone else. All we're asking for is an understanding of equity.
1: Yes. And to piggyback off of that, many are afraid that black and brown people are going to do to them what they have done to us for, you know, hundreds of years. It's all is based in fear. A need to maintain a system that keeps people oppressed because they are afraid of us doing to them what they have done for, to us for, you know, for hundreds of years.
4: But that, but that is a result of being the oppressor, right? In Pedagogy of the Oppressed, mm-hmm. Paulo Freire says mm-hmm. that the initial fear of the oppressor is that the oppressed will reverse course, right. that the oppressed... We'll assume the position of the oppressor, mm-hmm. which in many ways makes sense if that were the natural evolution of the process. Mm-hmm. Because why? Because that's the only thing the oppressed has ever seen. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. only alternative they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They've only seen oppressed or oppressor. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. haven't seen anything else. Yeah. And so we actually have, to, in many ways, we have to be the literaries. We have mm-hmm. to be the visionaries. We have to be the ones... That imagine a future mm-hmm. that actually has never existed, because we 've never seen a world that is truly free mm-hmm. and we haven 't seen a United States that 's truly free, free of racism right free of of bigotry, free of homophobia, mm-hmm. free of sexism we haven't we haven 't seen that. and so when people say like, "Oh, we just have to do this," I question that 's interesting because that thing you 're trying to get to that mm-hmm. was in the past. Mm-hmm. Wasn't freedom either.
3: Right.
4: Right. So mm-hmm. I, I tell folks, like, you have to be the comic book writer and illustrator
3: mm-hmm.
4: of the Justice League that
3: mm-hmm.
4: you imagine we need to have. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what does that world look like? Because it's going to be a fiction. Mm-hmm. That world's a fiction. It, it hasn't existed, mm-hmm. but it's, I'm hopeful for it. Mm-hmm. I think whoever's listening and, and those out there, like, you have the vision to change this world. Right. You have, it can't be a world without racism because then there's still sexism. Mm -hmm. There's still homophobia, Mm -hmm. right? There's still all other forms of oppression. And that's why when we talk about struggles and fighting back, we definitely have our own worlds that we operate in. But we have to be in a collective agreement of how we fight against the oppression. Because we could, and I've seen people try, fight against racism, Mm -hmm. And they'll fight for their whole life against racism.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But I'm not trying to create a world where it's free of racism. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to create a world that's free of oppression.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
4: Right? Yes. Those are two different things. Yes. Mm-hmm. But to get to the oppression, we do have to get through the racism. Mm-hmm. We can't just skip and jump and say, oh, we're going to get to this. No, we mm-hmm. have to wrestle with these issues.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But it, collectively, I think we can, we can actually change and transform
1: this world in a way we've never seen it. To what extent do you believe the Barack Obama presidency raised questions about deep-seated racial division in our country?
4: Yeah, I think it uh, it shed light on the fact that this country may have thought it was ready for someone uh, in the office who was black, mm-hmm. but we don't see that they actually were.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: I think, in many ways, Trump is a response to. Barack being in office yes uh, mm-hmm. as Van Jones said after the election of Donald Trump he said it was a white lash yes. that uh, similar to a backlash there was a cohort a group of angry white folks that said we don't want another Barack Obama mm-hmm. um, and and you can get into you know Hillary and, and how she won her race and
3: mm-hmm.
4: and whether that had a big effect on it but I, I also do think that uh, this country, cropped its head of, of the racism that it showed. I mean, even Donald Trump himself,
3: mm-hmm.
4: who started to question this black president's birth
3: mm-hmm.
4: and yes. birth certificate, mm-hmm. right? That's not just a, oh, I want to question your birth. That is a very racial, indebted, uh, sorry, racially deep issue
3: mm-hmm.
4: because he didn't ask that of any other president. Exactly. Right? Why, exactly. why did you ask it of the first black president? Mm-hmm. Because he was a foreigner, mm-hmm. um, was that was that it? What what about like it's it's interesting that that right. was the first time the question had ever been raised. Mm-hmm. But he also never made issue of the fact that um, there was a person running for president of Republican Party, a Ted Cruz, oh. right? Wow. Ted Cruz, who had been proven that there's questions about the legitimacy of him being born here or someplace else. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or there's some, some other issue with the fact that his parents were not U S citizens. And that was not was
1: right? his Who
2: mom. Um, basically what had happened is his dad Or, no, he was born in Canada, but since his mother was American, he then has natural born citizenship. Right. Because if your mother is a a citizen, then
4: her
3: child is a natural born
4: citizen. Right. And so it was funny, it's actually the exact same thing Mm -hmm. as Brock. Mm -hmm. Brock's mom is a a white woman, Mm -hmm. and she's an American.
2: And he was born on the soil. And he was born on
4: the soil, right. he could have been born anywhere Uh under that same definition, but Uh it was still a question legitimacy question of his birth mm-hmm. um, and then for him to become president Donald Trump it, it was the continuation mm-hmm. of that racist ideology
3: mm-hmm.
4: but again I think it was racism used to, to leverage a group of people
3: mm-hmm.
4: who see race like it's it's the easiest common denominator mm-hmm. among white folks yeah mm-hmm. right James Baldwin said This country has done an amazing job to convince poor white people Mm -hmm. that they'd rather be poor than black. Mm -hmm. When you can convince a group that, they believe that they have something. It's like an ownership. Mm -hmm. In my class, I talk about the property of whiteness. Mm -hmm. I believe that whiteness has turned into a property right in this country and many parts around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the imperialism that takes place in many of these big countries, it's a property right. It's No, I deserve something mm-hmm. as a result of my whiteness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's a right. Yes. It's like, is that property, yes. right? Is it when you own property, you have the right to sell it. You have the right to roam. You have the right to farm on it. You have the right to, to do a whole lot of things. With it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, what we're starting to see is you have the, the property of demanding something mm-hmm. as a result of being white. Mm-hmm. Right? This sense of entitlement. Yeah, let's talk about the Fisher case uh, when it, I think it was University of Texas, Mm
3: -hmm. and
4: you had a young white woman that sued the administration of University of Texas, right, because they said that they discriminated against her based on the color of her skin of being white, and they admitted a black student instead. That's fascinating.
2: I never understood that. Because white women are the biggest recipients of affirmative action. Yeah. I never yeah. knew how to, to even bring that case to
4: Supreme Court. <laughs> because it was it was a it was a nuanced position of what the affirmative action looked like,
3: right? Mm-hmm.
4: Um and, and I also think it was a racial discussion. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was just her trying to get in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was how do we get rid of affirmative affirmative action. Exactly. That's that was the ultimate goal.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um But she sues Mm -hmm. and wins, right? And so if you put it in context and you think about it hard, you have a white woman Mm
3: -hmm.
4: who says, the value of my whiteness is greater than the value of the harm and danger you've done to black folks. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to give value to that whiteness, and I'm going to take it. When you put it like that, Mm -hmm. it, it looks very clearly and squarely that Many, many folks look at whiteness as a property right and then vice versa. Black folks, Mm -hmm. folks of color, look at whiteness as a as as an ascension point, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: as something to aspire to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you want to aspire to a place, you want the property rights that go with that. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that when you ascend to whiteness, you aren't fully white. You are still a second-class white person, if anything at all. You're still a black person that wears a tie.
1: What Jay-Z said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. (laughs) Okay. So so OJ said that. He said that when
4: he Mm -hmm. was on trial in the jail, Mm -hmm. he thought he was white. Mm -hmm. He literally was like, I don't have any black friends. I don't hang out with black people. All my friends are white, and he's like, "I'm not." They're like, "We have to sell it as you being black." He's like, "But I'm not black. I'm OJ,
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> right?" And he's someone who has ascended, <laughs> ascended to a point. And guess what? Who had his back? Black folks.
3: Yes. For to the discussion of,
4: of whether he did it or not, right? Mm-hmm. It, that was an exercise of social. That was a social. Experience mm-hmm. that changed in many ways the fabric of this country. No, many people won't. Mm-hmm. But you have folks that want to aspire to that, and it's it's sad because what that means is you're saying I don't believe I have enough value mm-hmm. in who we are and mm-hmm. who I am, mm-hmm. and I don't. I, I'm not saying that I blame them because you look at the world and you say, well, everyone who's making it doesn't look like me. So maybe I need not to be like me. Maybe I need to be something else. Maybe I need to talk a certain way. Maybe I need to walk a certain way. Maybe I need to act a certain way. And and they do a good job at making us feel like we need to assimilate. When I say they, I mean the system.
2: Thank you, everybody, for joining in on our conversation on race and politics with Edmund Lindo. This concludes that conversation. However, make sure you subscribe to that channel. That way you'll get the notification when our next episode drops. But until then, you guys have a great one. Peace.
0: Progressive for action. We got a passion Still screaming Black Lives Matter and ain't no stopping. See power to the people, resisting all of the hatred. We sending the message from the millennial generation. We fight for the suffering and people without a voice. It's in our heart to do it, I promise it's not a choice. We talking politics and the culture is so amazing. So why you hesitating? Come and join the conversation for real. Progressive millennials for action. Progressive millennials for action. Yeah.